1: A disguised and sinister vaquero. The drone of his voice had a strangely rasping, soulless ring. He floundered, lowering, through a few vague sentences, then suddenly raising his big head and his voice together, burst out harshly The honour of the country is in the hands of the army. I assure you I shall be faithful to it. He hesitated till his roaming eyes met Sir John's face, upon which he fixed, a lurid, sleepy glance, and the figure of the lately negotiated loan came into his mind. He lifted his glass. I drink to the health of the man who brings us a million and a half of pounds. He tossed off his champagne and sat down heavily with a half-surprised, half-bullying look, all round the faces in the profound, as-if appalled, silence which succeeded, the felicitous toast. Sir John did not move. I don't think I am called upon to rise, he murmured to Mrs. Gould. That sort of thing speaks for itself. But Don Jose Avellanos came to the rescue with a short oration, in which he alluded pointedly to England's good will towards Castaguana. A good will? he continued, significantly, of which I, having been in my time accredited to the court of St. James, am able to speak with some knowledge. Only then Sir John thought fit to respond, which he did gracefully in bad French, punctuated by bursts of applause and the hear-hears of Captain Mitchell, who was able to understand a word now and then. Directly he had done, "'The financier of railways turned to Mrs. Gould. "'You were good enough to say that you intended to ask me for something,' he reminded her, gallantly. "'What is it? Be assured that any request from you would be considered in the light of a favor to myself.' "'She thanked him by a gracious smile. Everybody was rising from the table. "'Let us go on deck.' She proposed where I'll be able to point out to you the very object of my request an enormous national flag of costaguana diagonal red and yellow with two green palm trees in the middle floated lazily at the mainmast head of the Juno a multitude of fireworks being let off in their thousands at the water's edge in honor of the president kept up a mysterious crepitating noise half round the harbor. Now and then a lot of rockets, swishing upwards invisibly, detonated overhead with only a puff of smoke in the bright sky. Crowds of people could be seen between the town gate and the harbor, under the bunches of multicolored flags fluttering on tall poles. Faint bursts of military music would be heard suddenly, and the remote sound of shouting. A knot of ragged Negroes, at the end of the wharf, kept on loading and firing a small iron cannon time after time. A grayish haze of dust hung thin and motionless against the sun. Don Vicente Ribiera made a few steps under the deck awning, leaning on the arm of Señor Avellanos. A wide circle was formed round him where the mirthless smile of his dark lips and the sightless glitter of his spectacles could be seen turning amiably from side to side. The informal function, arranged on purpose, on board the Juno to give the President-Dictator an opportunity to meet intimately some of his most notable adherents in Sulaco, was drawing to an end. On one side General Montero, his bald head covered now by a plumed cocked hat, remained motionless on a skylight seat, a pair of big gauntleted hands folded on the hilt of the sabre standing upright between his legs. The white plume, the coppery tint of his broad face, the blue-black of the moustaches under the curved beak, the mass of gold on sleeves and breast, the high shining boots with enormous spurs the working nostrils the imbecile and domineering stare of the glorious victor of rio seco had in them something ominous and incredible the exaggeration of a cruel caricature the fatuity of solemn masquerading the atrocious grotesqueness of some military idol of aztec conception and european bedecking awaiting the homage of worshippers. Don José approached diplomatically this weird and inscrutable portent, and Mrs. Gould turned her fascinating eyes away at last. Charles, coming up to take leave of Sir John, heard him say, as he bent over his wife's hand, "'Certainly. Of course, my dear Mrs. Gould, for a protege of yours. Not the slightest difficulty.' Consider it done. Going ashore in the same boat with the Goulds, Don Jose Avellanos was very silent. Even in the Gould carriage he did not open his lips for a long time. The mules trotted slowly away from the wharf between the extended hands of the beggars, who for that day seemed to have abandoned in a body the portals of churches. Charles Gould sat on the back seat and looked away upon the plain A multitude of booths made of green boughs, of rushes, of odd pieces of plank, eked out with bits of canvas, had been erected all over it for the sale of cana, of dulces, of fruit, of cigars. Over little heaps of glowing charcoal, Indian women, squatting on mats, cooked food in black earthen pots, and boiled the water for the mate gourds which they offered in soft caressing voices to the country people. A race-course had been staked out for the vaqueros, and away to the left, from where the crowd was massed thickly about a huge temporary erection, like a circus tent of wood, with a conical grass roof, came the resonant twanging of harp-strings, the sharp ping of guitars, with the grave drumming throb of an Indian gombo, pulsating steadily through the shrill choruses of the dancers. Charles Gould said presently, All this piece of land belongs now to the railway company. There will be no more popular feasts held here. Mrs. Gould was rather sorry to think so. She took this opportunity to mention how she had just obtained from Sir John the promise that the house occupied by Giorgio Viola should not be interfered with. She declared she could never understand why the survey engineers ever talked of demolishing that old building. It was not in the way of the projected harbor branch of the line, in the least. She stopped the carriage before the door to reassure at once the old genoese who came out bareheaded and stood by the carriage step she talked to him in italian of course and he thanked her with calm dignity and old garibaldino was grateful to her from the bottom of his heart for keeping the roof over the heads of his wife and children he was too old to wander any more and is it for ever signora he asked for as long as you like Benny. Then the place must be named. It was not worth while before. He smiled ruggedly, with a running-together of wrinkles at the corners of his eyes. I shall set about the painting of the name to-morrow. And what is it going to be, Giorgio? Albergo d'Italia Una, said the old Garibaldino, looking away for a moment. "'More in memory of those who have died,' he added, "'than for the country stolen from us soldiers of liberty "'by the craft of that accursed Piedmontese race of kings and ministers.' "'Mrs. Gould smiled slightly, and, bending over a little, "'began to inquire about his wife and children. "'He had sent them into town on that day. "'The padrona was better in health. "'Many thanks to the signora for inquiring.' people were passing in twos and threes and whole parties of men and women attended by trotting children a horseman mounted on a silver-grey mare drew rein quietly in the shade of the house after taking off his hat to the party in the carriage who returned smiles and familiar nods old viola evidently very pleased with the news he had just heard interrupted himself for a moment to tell him rapidly that the house was secured by the kindness of the English senora for as long as he liked to keep it. The other listened attentively, but made no response. When the carriage moved on, he took off his hat again, a gray sombrero with a silver cord and tassels. The bright colors of a Mexican serapi twisted on the cantle, the enormous silver buttons on the embroidered leather jacket, the row of tiny silver buttons down the seam of the trousers, the snowy linen, a silk sash with embroidered ends, the silver plates on headstall and saddle, proclaimed the unapproachable style of the famous Capitaz de Cargadores, a Mediterranean sailor, got up with more finished splendor than any well-to-do young ranchero of the Campo had ever displayed on a high holiday. "'It is a great thing for me,' murmured old Giorgio, still thinking of the house, for now he had grown weary of change. The signora just said a word to the Englishman. "'The old Englishman, who has enough money to pay for a railway? He is going off in an hour,' remarked Nostromo, carelessly. Buon viaggio, then.' i've guarded his bones all the way from the entrada pass down to the plain and into sulaco as though he had been my own father old giorgio only moved his head sideways absently nostromo pointed after the gould's carriage nearing the grass-grown gate in the old town wall that was like a wall of matted jungle And I have sat alone at night with my revolver in the company's warehouse, time and again, by the side of that other English. Waiting on a tax return?
0: Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues.